0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our privilege and pleasure to welcome you to this program. And uh, we encourage you again to grab a Bible if you can, because we are going to look into the book of Genesis, still in the book of Genesis, looking to those amazing stories about uh, the great men of God, like Abraham, Isaac. Jacob. And today we are going to talk about from Jacob to Israel. And I'd like to welcome our panel today. Joe, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Nick. It's always a pleasure to be here.
0: And Will, it's good to have you with us too. Thank you. There are always intense moments with the scriptures. Lija, thank you for being part of this.
2: Yes, thank you. And yeah, I feel very privileged, very blessed. Ken,
3: thank you for joining. Thank you, Nick. Always a privilege to be here. and A wonderful blessing. Brenton,
4: it's good to have you with us. Thank you, Nick. We're looking forward to presenting this message uh, from God's Word.
0: Now, thank you for preparing also and in collaboration, to say so, with the members of the panel to look into this study. And yes. I will ask you to kindly take us through. Okay, thank you.
4: The study this week is spans a fairly broad range of issues deals with Jacob's return to Canaan having deceived his uncle and left he wrestles with God and has his name changed from Jacob to Israel he meets his brother Esau then when he settles in Canaan he has trouble with his daughter being raped by one of the local men and his two of his sons take it upon themselves to avenge the honour of their sister by killing all the men of the the village or the area, and thus causing Jacob to fear for his life. And our study ends on, a, I guess, a sober or sad note. Um, It ends with the death of Rachel. But through it all, I think we shouldn't overlook one thing. Is God's guiding and leading and providing hand still present in everything that is going on, all the tumult and things that are going on here? I believe he is. Um, Will, I wondered if you would share a prayer with us. We really need the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we study
5: this subject. Of course. Thank you. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as we open your wo- your inspired word, we pray that the life lessons it has for us may be applied by us all yes. to prepare us to meet you in peace when you come. Mm. with the hosts of heaven to redeem the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Looking at uh, the study that we have for ourselves today, in uh, Genesis 32, 6 to 12, we find a very interesting situation. Here's Jacob heading back to meet his brother Esau, uh, from whom he had stolen the birthright 20 years earlier. Now, I don't know about you, but um, if you send a message to your brother that I'm coming to meet you and he comes with 400 men, uh, my assessment of that situation would be fairly dire. I wouldn't think he'd be coming to shake my hand and give me a hug and say, great to see you, bro. I think I'd be rather worried about um, what his intentions are. Um, so Jacob decides to send um, servants on ahead with gifts to uh, meet Esau. But I asked myself the question before we get to Ken having a look at this verse with us. Where did Jacob's distress come from? I believe it came from two sources, vertically, because he's imploring God for help, and I'm sure while he's doing that, his his conscience is bothering him over all the things that he's done over that period of time. And the second one is horizontal. He's worried about his reception by Esau. But, Ken, uh, could you have a look at those verses for us, but could you share with us some... Um, Your perspectives on Genesis 32, 6 to 12.
3: Certainly, Brenton, we take up the story in uh, verse 6. Then the messengers returned to Jacob. These are the people that he had sent out previous to go to meet his brother, saying, we came to your brother Esau, and he is also coming to meet you. And he has 400 men with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him, the flocks, the herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. So here we see Jacob is really thinking ahead and wondering what the intentions of his brother is. And obviously, with 400 men coming with him, as you said a moment ago, Brenton, He's looking on the uh, the side of things that there could be some revenge happening here. And maybe Esau wants to wipe out the entire uh, family of Jacob and himself. So he split the, uh, the family, which is uh, quite a large uh, family he's got with him and all the flocks and herds. So he split it in two and separated them and hoping that uh, if the intention of Jacob, uh, sorry, Esau, is to do them damage, uh, that at least half of them will escape. Then we pick up again in verse 9. Then Jacob says, he prays to God. He says, O oh oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I have crossed over the Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and my mother and the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered or multiplied. So here we see Jacob has got down and he's praying to the Lord for guidance and protection. And the Lord is, is hearing him, of course. And Jacob remembers that the Lord has told him that he's going to make his descendants last a long time and be like the sand of the sea. So he's really, really reminding God of this because although he's praying to God, and I believe he does trust in God, Obviously, being human, being he's very scared of uh, meeting his brother after all this time, knowing that there's still, perhaps, uh, 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 he's very unhappy. Is what has happened, and he's looking for revenge, and he's hoping all's going to go well with him. Mm, thank you, um, Nick.
4: You had a comment, and Will, I believe you did too.
0: It's just on this passage which Ken, um, uh, you know, has been red- touching on. Yeah, read it. Red- red- um, a couple of things. First of all. Uh, Jacob already, he had very good experience with God, even at his uncle's place. Uh, See, he experienced how God was looking after him. He also remembers how God looked after his ancestors, you know, family, Mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac. And he's coming before God and said, oh, the God of my fathers, you know, Abraham, Isaac. But what caught my attention is... And in some translation actually said, my God, because Jacob now is not talking only about the experience his ancestors had, but his own experience. And I think this is wonderful because now he can trust on God, he can rely on God, even though now he's trying to strategize few things, you know, because yeah, each yeah. one of us, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we are not called to blindly just uh, go into unknown and things. We need to put ourselves right with God, be with God, but at the same time be wise in the approach we mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. with the people which surrounds mm-hmm. us. Good good
4: point, um, Nick. One of the things um, I'm uh, thinking of, guys, before we move on to the next point is simply this. Notice um, he he invokes in his prayer the God of Abraham, his grandfather, the God of Isaac, his father, And um, as you touched on, I think, Ken, I wonder in our prayers today, is it appropriate when we pray to the Lord, and I'm throwing this open for the panel, it's not for anyone specifically, do you believe it's appropriate in our prayers to remind God of his past blessings to Abraham and Isaac and Israel and on into the New Testament and plead those promises that he made to them for ourselves? Do you believe that's
3: appropriate today? Any thoughts? Brenton, I think uh, speaking personally for myself, as we're all aware, really God has a very good memory. (laughs) and He really isn't forgetting. I'm not suggesting he's forgetting, Ken. I think we're we're just reminding him, you know, from our perspective. I mean, it is is going back a long, long way to remind God about those promises, and uh, uh, I think... If anyone's reading the Bible, that they would have to see that God does follow through on his promises. And if we're following the, the, the walk in Christianity, we'd have to, or speaking personally, have to assume that these promises would apply to us, providing we're trying to do the best we can. Yeah, Joe.
1: I think uh, quoting promises to God, Bible promises, when we are approaching him with a burden, is not for God's benefit but no. for faith-building in ourselves. So I guess it's more for us than it is for him. It gives us something to cling to, yes. something to hold before us to encourage our own faith. Yeah, that's
4: true. Doesn't he encourage us, though, to to why why have we got the Bible? The Bible is not just a source of history. The Bible is a source of God's dealings in people's lives. And surely we can rely on that if he did that in the past. I mean, there's a text in the word that we all know that says uh, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think it reminding God of those things, not because he's forgotten. I think it's for our best good, Joe. It's helping us to trust him more. If he could um, bring Jacob through what we're discussing today, can he bring us through the problems we're dealing with now? I think he can. Any other thoughts? Uh, Lydia?
2: I think in this period of 20 years, as uh, Jacob served for his two wives, he saw God's hand in his life in many ways, and uh, he had a stronger relationship with God. But also, when he was assured by God to go back to his country, the fear of meeting Esau, his brother, again, it struck his soul again because he felt very guilty for whatever he'd done twenty years ago, and mm. uh, he, in his heart, in his soul, that w- there was a big turmoil, and because of that, he wrestled with God in this long journey to his home in in all this period of time. And he knew that God's hand was with him, but still he wasn't sure the way Esau is going to to act and to receive him. Because of that, he took actions, you know. And and, and, uh, it says that he, in chapter 32, verse 7, he said, in great fear and distress. Sure, sure. And um, there is another one in verse 11, he said that, I am afraid. So, because mm. of that, he clinged to God very strongly. Yes. In desperation, he clinged to God, and mm. later on, we will see that he wrestled with God. He even couldn't sleep; he had nightmares probably, and mm. he he clinged to God. And we will see later on about that.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I just want to add to that the point which I uh, got from here, Jacob. May had a strong relationship with God and he even maybe he asked God for forgiveness of what has he has done to 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 Esau, but he didn't have opportunity to do that to his brother. A very important point because too often we wrong other people and we go to God to ask for forgiveness and we never go to the person to mm. sort out that problem and that's what it came into the picture here because now he's facing the person who he wronged mm. and yeah. the effect of the scene now it's coming out in his life yes. which i believe is normal it yeah. was normal but mm. now instead of him to prepare with with army himself you know some people to to face uh he is yes. now in a In a different way, he approaches him like a slave, like a servant. He he uses the term Nick, my lord, probably
4: four or five times, and I am your servant. He does use that terminology. Moving on, guys, uh, Will, I wondered if you'd share with us exactly what happens. We've already touched in our story thus far on uh, the fact that he strategically split his family and possessions into two groups in case he was attacked. But in uh, chapter 32 and verses 22 down to verse 32, I'll leave it to you to either summarize it or bring out some key points there, Will, that we need to know. Because this is where by the time he emerges from this, he's had a name change.
5: Yes, Brenton, uh, we've seen that Jacob has sent his family to retreat from the trouble that he expects And uh, he finds himself alone. He's in the dark, in the middle of the night, in the dark of night. He's confronted by someone whom the Bible identifies as coming down from heaven. Uh, But it's best to let the the Bible, I believe, tell its own story. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm reading from um, Genesis 32 from verse 24. Jacob was left alone and a man, and in our translations it's spelt with a capital M, And the man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. It's the heavenly visitor now speaking. Let me go for the day breaks. But he, that's Jacob, said, I will not let you go. Unless you bless me, and so he, he said to him, "What is your name?" And Jacob answers, "Jacob." And he says, "Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for and this is this is the key part. For you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed." Then Jacob, saying, "Tell me your name," he's asking the heavenly being for your name, his name. And he said, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him right there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And it's interesting what he why he calls it Peniel. He says, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And
4: yet it was pitch black, Will.
5: <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's, so We we have here just not mm. a stranger that he meets, an enemy person, but He's wrestled with God. And this is quite overwhelming for the reader to realize that a man has wrestled with God, and I think we'll be able to talk on that.
4: Mm. Thank you, Will. That's a good perspective. Here's a couple of things just to think about as we move uh, through this a bit further. What you said, Will, um, it uses a capital. Um, I find this interesting because there are enough clues in these verses, I think, for us to identify who it was. Number one, the person referred to that's wrestling with Jacob changes his name. Now, the only other time I can think of in Scripture where a name was changed was by God. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, Sarai's name to Sarah. So here's one clue. Another clue is he blessed him. Now, the blessing obviously is a blessing not only it's connected with his name change, but it's a, it's a blessing that I believe only God could give. Number three, I think the fact that this um, assailant put his hip out of joint should have given him a clue that he was wrestling with supernatural um, a
0: supernatural being. Brenton, well, just on yeah. that one, the words very clearly says that I've seen God. You yes, see, he does, realized, yes, yes, he realized that that was God. Uh, and yeah. now if we go further than that, probably yeah. we can even talk that maybe it was Jesus himself.
4: Um, yes. I, I think that's a, re- a realistic comment to make, Nick. Yes, very definitely.
0: Just yes. as Abraham had uh, had seen
5: Jesus. Uh, yes, on, he, did. Um, he, did. he sees it, it definitely yeah. probably wouldn't be God the Father because Jesus himself said no man had seen the
2: Father.
4: Yes.
5: Yeah,
0: good
4: no, that's point. a
2: good book. Legit. It said here that uh he was blessed because he you, you have struggled with God and with men. So in this case, it's showed that he had a struggle with the angel of the Lord.
1: Mm.
2: Probably he would struggle with God in prayer and asking for uh a deep for- forgiveness for whatever he has done. And in in all this period of time of 20 years, I think he asked God for forgiveness for for so many times, not only once. And uh, struggled with man. I think he struggled with Laban, you know, because he was deceived so many times by Laban Mm. in so many ways. Mm. And uh, because of that, the angel said, you struggled with man and with God.
4: Yeah, good, good point. Any any other thoughts on this, guys? Because one thing comes through on this. When, when he's in distress and he's praying by the brook before the man puts his hand on his sh- shoulder, um, obviously he's in spiritual distress. Um, by the time the morning is starting to break, he's also in physical distress. In other words, he's in total distress, both spiritually and physically. He can do nothing. He's in a helpless situation, and it's right at that time That this being who I think you're right, Nick. I think it is Jesus Christ says, why are you asking my name? And he blessed him. In other words, what's the lesson we can learn that we could pass on today to our listeners? It's only when we reach the level that Jacob reached. And there is a mention in the word of God of the time of Jacob's trouble. But I think, um, we have to reach the stage of Lord saying we can't do anything of ourselves. We're totally reliant on you. Then God can demonstrate his power to forgive. Then God can demonstrate his power to transform. Thank you, Will.
5: I think we should never forget, and this is a hard lesson to learn, that there are texts that refer to a time of trouble. I think one in Daniel 12, verse 1. Yes. I may just quickly quote that text. And at that time, Michael, that's Jesus, shall stand up which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Jacob experiences uh, prophetically a time of trouble that uh, he knows he's out of sync with his fellow man, especially his brother, He's fearing for, his, fearing for his life because 400 men are on the way to get him. And so, um, and, and furthermore, Jacob feels an intense mental anguish in his struggle with God in prayer because he was not sure his sins had be pardoned. And those mm-hmm. seeking forgiveness, I think, at the end as is prophesied in the final crisis will experience a similar anguish. Even as Jacob's The night ended with a blessing and the peace of God conferred on the patriarch. The Lord will fill his children at that time with confidence and peace. Uh, We are all facing a time where we will wrestle with God for the forgiveness of sins and rightness between us and our fellow
3: man.
4: Will, this is a personal wrestling, I believe, not a corporate wrestling. It's a a personal wrestling with God. Ken, did you have a thought for us?
3: Yes, I'm, I'm reminded of the story, uh, Will has just mentioned that, uh, not his particular story, but the story of Daniel. And we see throughout the Bible that God generally intervenes at the very last second. We go through the struggle. We're in the struggle. We're in the problems. We're in the challenges. God doesn't intervene generally before we reach that stage. It's during our stage of, of greatest despair is usually when God intervenes. Now, that's a very, very good point. Anybody else got a thought on this?
2: I observed here that Jacob had many interactions with God in his, let's say, just only this last uh, period of life of 20 years. And uh, he talks to God uh, without interruptions. Uh, even when God sent him back to his country and uh, his relatives, he is very humble in front of God, and he's saying, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. And he's saying, save me. I pray from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid that he will come and attack me. And God assures him later on of, of, of his help. So it means that he trusted in God, but he also, as I said before, He struggled uh, mentally, uh, psychologically, emotionally. He struggled with this because he didn't know how his brother, on the other hand, will react when he will see him
1: back.
4: Yeah, good point. Joe, this prayer, we have touched on it already to some degree, but I believe you've got some perspectives that you can share with us.
1: Yes, I, I think those, that's that last sentence where he says he pleads, he pleads and he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Yeah. Now we know that Jacob wrestled with, with guilt and pain as, associated with the shame of having deceived his father. Now in that culture, this was, this was really, really serious to deceive one's yeah. own father and cheated his brother. And, and quite frankly, he had trouble forgiving himself. And I'm sure that he would have wished he could go back in time, how he would have done things differently. And how often have we felt like this ourselves? But, you know, Jacob persisted. And sometimes when the answer to our prayer does not come instantly or quickly or in a time frame that we expect, we give up. And so the question is, does this have a bearing on our relationship with God, you know, Do we too, like Jacob, need to feel a keen longing for forgiveness? And this is what he was doing. He was, he really wanted to be forgiven. He wanted to let this burden go Mm -hmm. and he wanted the reassurance. And, um, you know, and then he found himself fighting and struggling with God himself. You know, he yes. didn't know it was until later, but he was all that pent up anguish was, is, was just streaming. You know, he str- struggled for like something like six hours, possibly. Yes, where quite did he likely. get the, how, yes. where did he get the stamina for that? I don't know. And yet, it, it says here, I would like to read a little passage that says, yet Jacob's history is an assurance that God will not cast off those who had been betrayed into sin, but who have returned unto him with true repentance. It is by self-surrender and confiding, confiding faith that Jacob gained what he had failed to gain by conflict in his own strength. God thus taught his servant that divine power and grace alone could give him the blessing he craved. God desires to bless everyone, and let us all draw close to Him in faith.
4: Yeah, very good thoughts, Joe. Moving on, um, going back, we're just backtracking just for a minute on the question of the presence that He sent to Esau. Nick, what is uh, your perspective on that? Genesis thirty-two, thirteen to twenty-one, talks about it in some detail, but maybe you can summarise it for us.
0: Sure, Brenton, and, and yes, that's a good passage to ponder on and to read it in your own time. But just um, in these uh, verses here, it's interesting that straight away after this encounter Jacob had with uh, God, he in that night actually he uh, while he was lodged uh, in in that area, he already planned how to approach Esau, and he put aside some of the best of his flock. And it's interesting that he said 200 goats and 20 male goats and 200 sheep and 20 uh, rams. Now, I come from a, a farming background and in particular, like sheep raising. Sure, uh, sure. And I know exactly what that means to have that ratio of 220. It's very significant because that's for prosperity, You know, if you want to send somebody a gift, yeah, you can give a gift. But now he's sending something which his brother can prosper. Now, obviously, he didn't know his brother, how well he is and so on and so forth. But he is not any longer a deceiver, a selfish man. He now gives the best he has to have peace with his brother. Yes. How important it is for us to take that lesson, how much are we prepared to give, to establish that uh, contact yes. again, or that connection which has been broken. And in this passage, I just learned the wonderful thing which uh, Jacob did, and he strategized very intentionally, as was mentioned before here, not knowing how Esau will react, yes. but he put everything in place from his yeah. side, mm. that the thing will go smoother. Yeah. Praise God for, uh, for this experience which yes. he had with God. Yeah. And we can take that lesson ourselves to know how to deal with our shortcomings, yeah. with our struggles, with our difficult situations in life. Yes,
4: yeah, that's a good, good thought, Nick. Lydia?
2: I was very impressed by the text which is saying that when Esau saw Jacob from distance, he ran to meet him and embraced him and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. That was amazing. That's amazing. Um,
4: It is. Yeah, we will have a look at that now. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. Genesis 33, 1-4. Could you read that for us, Lydia, seeing you've already quoted verse 4? Maybe you could read uh, from the section. Um, if you could share with us number verses one to four, thanks, Lydia, and just comment. And then I'm happy for panel comments on this one because it's, it's a truly wonderful moment in our study this week.
2: Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maid servants. He put the maid servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And uh, later on he's saying to his brother, Thank you. That you have received
4: me favorably. Yeah, 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 good, good thought. Yeah, can you imagine this picture, guys? Honestly, when he comes to meet his brother, he's not striding forward with long, free strides. He's, his hips out of joint. It, he'd be limping, limping badly, not limping a little bit. He'd be limping badly. And for Esau to see his brother coming towards him in such a manner, even a hard-hearted person like Esau must have had some sort of um, compassion for for his brother. Panel, what do you think about this reception? Do you think this was God-ordained? There is a statement here uh, that says, while Jacob was wrestling with the angel. I wonder, Joe, would you read that for us, please?
1: While Jacob was wrestling with the angel, another heavenly messenger was sent to Esau in a dream, Esau beheld his brother for 20 years in exile from his father's house. He witnessed his grief at finding his mother dead. He saw him encompassed by the host of God. This dream was related by Esau to his soldiers with the charge not to harm Jacob, for the God of his father was with him. What do you think about that, Joe? I think, I think that God definitely had things in hand. Because Esau, as was already mentioned, had 400 men. And these, you do not take 400 men with you unless there was an intention of battle. We know that Abraham took 318 men when he attacked Sodom, the cities of Sodom. Yep. Well, you know, that battle. Yep. That and ensued. This is more,
4: this was nearly. And 100 this was more men.
1: That, so <laughs> there was definite intention. Then to have this, you know, the kissing and the forgiveness, this is a miracle. Mm, amen. Anybody else have
3: a perspective on this? Ken? Yes, I think one of the interesting, well, a couple of the interesting things that uh, as Jacob approaches Esau, he bows down seven times to him. Now, uh, scholars of the Bible will realize that seven is God's number. So that is a significant thing. But also the other significant thing I, I believe is that, that when they embrace each other, they both cry. So they're both touched by each other, and I think that b- brotherly love is uh, is reunited between them. And the interesting thing about the other interesting thing I see is that although God has told Jacob from the beginning that uh, Esau would be serving him, in this particular instance, it appears that Jacob is actually serving Esau. The boot's on the other foot, isn't it? Yes, indeed. <laughs> At least for a brief period of time. Lydia?
2: I think... God uh, worked miraculously in Esau's heart, let's say. Yes, yes, I think so. As a result of of Jacob's pleading with God because of his fear, on the other hand, God worked in Esau's heart and changed his heart towards Jacob.
5: Good thought. I think that we can remember, too, that God's hand is in this all. Uh, You'll recall that Rachel and Joseph, Joseph, was in that uh, that retinue. <clears throat> he was. And, he and, was, Will. Good you know, thought. should should um, Esau have wiped them out, the whole history of Egypt would have changed because Joseph would not have been on the scene. God True. is True. certainly guiding the future here.
4: Yeah, and this is the aspect I think we need to reinforce in our study today is that despite human passions and human plannings and... Uh, schemings and things going on, God is still over all. And it's based really on what we didn't touch on right at the start of our study today. I think it's in Genesis 32, one where um, the angels actually surround Jacob and he says this is the place of God and he called it Mahanaim, which means two companies I, I would uh, define the two companies as a Jacob's company, not split into two, but also the company of angels that was accompanying him and surrounding him. And you get a similar story. We all know the story of Elisha. Remember in Samaria where he says to his servant, he says, we're surrounded by the army of the king of Syria. He said, look at, look at the hills. We're surrounded by another army. <laughs> I think we've got the same uh, scenario here. All right, moving on. So he's reconciled with his brother, Esau. He buys some land to settle down in Canaan. But then uh, we come to a very, very sad story. Lydia, there's a fair bit in this chapter, and I'm not sure how much we will be able to draw out But We'll do our best. I wonder if you could maybe uh, share with us verses 1 to 10.
2: Okay. Uh, after uh, Jacob arrived uh, in the city of Shechem in Canaan, he camped over there and uh, he bought also uh, a piece of land for a hundred pieces of silver from the ruler in that area, uh, from the sons of Hamor. And uh, this uh, the son of this ruler saw Dina, uh, which she when she went out to visit the women of the land. And uh, it says in the Bible that his heart was drawn to Dina, daughter of Jacob from Leah. And uh, when uh, Shehem, son of Hamor, the Hittite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and violated her. So he defiled her.
4: Yes. yes. And
2: uh, Jacob heard about it and he announced his sons, which were um, with, with their flocks in the field. And when they came home, they heard about it, about this defilement and bringing shame to to the family. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, This is really interesting, particularly in light of our thinking today on the protection of women and uh, relationships and that, that sort of thing. This seems to me, I don't know, guys, I'm happy for your comments on this, but it seems to me that this Shechem, because he's the king's son, he seems to think that um he has a sense of entitlement he can take whoever he wants and do whatever he wants with them um that's the sense i sort of get out of this and then uh, he he does say that he loved her that's true but um this is after the event and um i'm just i'm struggling with this i don't know do you have any perspectives panel on this particular thing because i see her rights being violated I see him taking advantage of her, and I I just ask myself the question, why did Moses put this story in Genesis? I don't know whether any of you have ever wondered about that. I certainly have, uh, because there doesn't appear to be any example here clearly where you can see God working through this very messy and very, in the end, very brutal experience. Any
1: any perspectives on this? Joe? I think there's more to play more at play here than what appears to be. Probably so yeah. We have the daughter of Jacob raped, the man young man falls in love with her. There's a proposal of marriage. However, I think now what if, you know, what was Jacob thinking in giving his daughter in marriage to a Canaanite prince. Mm. Wasn't this what, this what, this what this was against everything that they had stood for. They had come out from Ur. They had traveled. They had kept separate. They've tried to worship the true God and keep away from the idolatrous nations and whatever. And you don't know, imagine what, what would happen after that. Yeah, the, yeah. the whole plan, the whole plan was at risk of being derailed because they would then then it'll be someone else intermarrying and before you knew it they would have all intermarried into an idolatrous nation. This is exactly what God did not want to happen. and I wonder I wonder if this was a ploy a ploy a satanic ploy to compromise the mission, if I could okay. say it.
4: To the perspective on this particular section and that is this who was Jacob's father, Isaac? Now, his grandfather, Abraham, made sure that Isaac did not marry one of the daughters of the land. He actually sent his servant back to his family back in um, Haran to uh, get a, a wife who turned out to be Rebekah, Jacob's mother. So I think we have some fairly strong evidence here that Jacob should have remembered very clearly That, um, taking daughters of the land for his sons or vice versa was definitely not in God's plan. Anyway, let's, let's move on from here. At the end of all of it, Simeon and Levi go and slaughter all the men of the village, including the king and his son. They take the women and children and all the livestock and all the possessions. And Jacob makes an interesting comment in verse 30 of chapter 34, where I'll get you to read that for us and comment on it just briefly because it's a fairly important point.
5: Genesis 34 from verse 30 onwards says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. And now he's worried about his people, that the surrounding tribes would now attack him and he and his family would die uh, as they were few in number. Well, I don't know how much I can add to that.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. How did God deal with uh, the concern that Jacob had, the way that God dealt with everything up until here? And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. In other words, God took care of the problem. What's the um, the strong message out of this very distasteful chapter in the Bible, the strong message that comes through to us and I believe to our listeners is this, God is still in control. If you leave it to God to sort out, he will sort it out. Um, I'm not going to go into whether Simeon and Levon did the right thing or not. Uh, killing people is never justified in, in according to Scripture, but um, God took care of the problem. He put the fear of God in the inhabitants around about so that um, they didn't worry Jacob and his family. Moving on to uh, chapter 35, we find that, uh, let's see. Ken, I wondered if you could read verses 1 to 4 and just summarize them for us, please.
3: Yes, uh, reading Genesis 35, 1 to 4, basically God tells Jacob to arise and go to Bethel and stay there for a while, and uh, he said he wants to flee from the face of Esau, your brother, and take all your household with you. And one of the important things God says to him before he goes: make sure you get all the people in your tribe to put away the false gods that they're carrying among them, and purify yes. themselves, and and wash and be clean, and put new garments on, and then move up. And when you get there, you have to make an altar to me, and I will look after you and take care of you. So Jacob went ahead and did as God told him. He moved and uh, spoke to all the people, got rid of all the gods, uh, all the earrings, and all the other things they had, which were uh, against the Lord, which he had forbid, and left. Ken, that's a, that's a good thought. Um, moving down a little bit further, um,
4: in order for God's blessing to be poured out on them, they needed to do this. I think if we had time, we could dwell a little bit more on what is it that's preventing us and what is it that's preventing our listeners from being completely full of the Holy Spirit, are the things in our lives that need to be removed, the gods, so to speak, the strange uh, gods and uh, things in our lives, the foreign gods, to use the words of the Bible here. Um, Moving on, that we find that... Down, down in verses uh, nine to fifteen, Joe, I wonder if you would touch on that for us. It mentions the special blessings that God intended to, to bestow on Jacob. Now, I don't know, Joe. Did you find that these were a repetition of what he'd already said, or do you think there was some additional material here?
1: Well, I think it's pretty much reconfirming or confirming the promise that has he has made with Jacob all along um and it comes after the fact that Jacob had called on his family to uh put away all the idols now we yes. can see that there was already some mingling that was going on you know Dinah had gone to meet with the ladies of the of the surrounding nations yes. and yes. you know there was almost a, a you know an intermarriage that almost happened or could have happened um the And so then it tells us that there had been quite a bit of influence because we have in Jacob's family, there are people with idols in their possession. And Jacob, this was a wake-up call for Jacob. I think so. Okay. And he said, right, I want you to put away these things. I want you to cleanse your camps, your tents. I want to refresh, uh, uh, refresh our commitment to serving the only true God. And so after this, we have God appearing to him and saying, your name is Jacob and your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel should be your name. Now, we know that this was already mentioned when he wrestled with the angel. Yes. Okay. This is the second yeah. time that he's reminding him that he will not be called Jacob, but Israel, and he's to live up to that name. And of course, he confer- recon Restates, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations yeah. shall proceed from you. Look, it wasn't so much that Jacob was worthy. It's like with us, we are not worthy. And, but God, God wants to have a relationship. He wants us to be his people, his child. And so he persists and he says, I am your God, you know, and um, I will be with you. And we know that in verse 13, it says that God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So God spoke to him. Yes. Yeah. And so yes. I think that uh, I think God accepted the efforts of Jacob to remove the wrong from his family and appeared unto him, blessed him, and renewed that promise made to him because his fear was before him.
4: Good comment. Mm. Okay, Nick?
1: Yeah, I just want to say
0: here that we see the results of sin First of all, Jacob was not able from the beginning to stop his family to carry their idols because he had to deal with his own problem, with his own sin. But what is important here, when you are assured that God he forgives you he, and you are clean, then you are called to represent people. Yes. In this case, yeah. you yeah. can intercede for others. And and Jacob was able now to boldly ask them remove. Your idols, yes. because he had the assurance that God forgave him, and God promised to him now your uh, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, which I promise, and your seed will be uh, all yeah. those promises will be fulfilled uh, a take home lesson for for here is that we need to deal with our sins because otherwise we are not able to be even in the family for example mm. to be a uh, an example, and not yeah. only an example, yeah. but to uh, to have success.
4: Lydia, did you have a brief comment before we uh, wind our study I up am, for the day? I
2: am very impressed to, to the fact that Jacob was a man of uh, building altars. Every step of the way, he built an altar to God. True, true. And
3: he worshipped
2: yes. the Lord and he brought offerings. When he left, when he departed from Laban, He took a stone and set up as a pillar, and also he uh, brought offerings to God and worshipped him. When he arrived in Canaan, also, first thing, he built an altar. And Mm. every step of the way, we can see that he built altars and he worshipped the Creator and brought him offerings and thanks.
4: Yeah. But here's something just to contemplate. Jacob deceived his brother and his father He also deceived Laban. Laban, in turn, deceived him. Now we have in the story that we have just touched on a minute or two ago, we have Jacob's two sons, Simeon and Levi, deceiving Jacob. And as we go on in our studies over the next couple of weeks, you'll find that Jacob is deceived a number of times. He's deceived in a future study that we will look at by all of the boys over what happened to Joseph. And how long did that last? 20 years. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting analogies there to uh, to have a look at. We won't look at them today, but I'm just uh, wetting your appetite for future studies where we will have a look at that. But our study today sort of ends on uh, a rather sad note, I think. In uh, Genesis 35, verse 16 to 19 and verse 22, well, I wondered if you could read those verses and uh, just share a perspective on them for us.
5: Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrathah, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was. As her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrata that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, and which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eda, and it happened when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, <laughs> his was conquered by Israel. Yeah, We've we got, got problems had, again, haven't we? <laughs> more deception again. I'm so more sorry. More deception.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Here's something to to maybe do for a bit of our own study, both as a panel and also as listeners. Have a look at the number of times Jacob deceived others and have a look at the number of times he in turn is deceived. I I think of the sin of David in this regard where he said that um, whoever the man was who did this needs to pay back fourfold. He paid back fourfold, all right, if you look at it. He actually lost four sons. Um, it might be an interesting study uh, or something that we can put out as a challenge to our listeners. So you have a look at the, the whole story of Jacob and see if you can count up the number of times he is deceived right through almost to the end of his life. In other words, the consequences, even though God has forgiven him and he has, and God has changed his name, indicating that he, uh, he rules with God or he, he overcomes with God.
0: Nevertheless, the
4: consequences of
0: his actions have
4: very long-term effects.
0: Nick. Yeah, I was just want to say, Brenton, while, while you share that, that the consequences of sin we cannot remove.
3: Sure. Uh,
0: we need sure. to learn how to accept them, how to deal with that, and give it to the Lord, to Jesus, yes. because Jesus says, yes. come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened, weary mm. and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. We cannot avoid some of the consequences of our sins, but we can oh, be yeah. assured that God will take us through all those difficult times and make us victorious, as uh, the example was with Jacob.
4: Good point. So, Nick, where should our focus be? On what God's able to do, not on what we've done. Mm. But we also have to learn to live with the consequences of what we've done. And we can only do that, I believe, by the grace of God. Guys, do we have any uh, final take-home messages before we ask Ken to share a prayer with us. Anybody got any thoughts that they feel that we could share with our listeners before uh, anybody? Lydia?
2: Whatever seeds we sow in our life is whatever we reap. And yes. What are the consequences? Yes.
4: This lesson brings that out very clearly, doesn't it? Uh, anybody else?
5: I'm grateful for the history as it's told quite honestly in scripture. Um, God is patient. And, Absolutely um, will. You know, and yeah. it's in this patience that I believe every one of us has hope. We can fail, but God is merciful. But the question is uh, whether we are sorry for those errors and whether we are willing to agonize with God for purity of soul.
4: Well, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Will, that Jacob was sorry. Yes. He yes. wasn't just sorry for the consequences. I think he was genuinely sorry and therefore God would not have changed his name had he just been sorry about the fact that uh, Esau is coming and I might get killed. I need some help. Please help. I think he was genuinely sorry for what he had done in the way of... um, Joe, did you have any thoughts on this as a takeaway message?
1: Uh, I think the takeaway message is that, as you said, it doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been and how ashamed we might have been, God is able to forgive whatever and whatever you know whatever we've done and something that struck me as we were talking about this lesson sure. is how li- how little respect his sons had for him
4: yes yes
1: it, it, it is really quite remarkable and he didn't help himself by showing favoritism the way he did to the oh. wives and i guess <laughs> it's far beyond this discussion but he yeah. yeah it was unfortunate that his sons did not respect him more
4: no they they didn't um and yeah. I, and
0: I think uh, Brenton and, and Panel uh, Jacob showed that resilience. You know, he was keep pressing on, pressing on, even though he was disappointed so much, even by his own family. What I want to make out of yeah. this, also myself, yeah. and probably just a, a hint here: learn from the examples of others rather than on your own yeah. skin. Yeah. That's yeah. why we have in the Bible so many good stories, even. Uh, with the, all the bad side and the good mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. to learn from it and not to repeat the same mistakes. Uh, very,
4: very true, Nick. Very true. Ken, did you have any uh, takeaway thought for us?
3: Well, basically, we see here that this is a, an exceptional dysfunctional family. And it seems to go on. <laughs> an exceptional a, dysfunctional uh, family. I like that. <laughs> it seems to go on for some time. But we mm. also see the goodness of God in the background. Throughout the whole uh, life of Jacob, even though he has a lot of problems, he also has a lot of blessings. And I think these stories are put there specifically for us today in our time, that we can look at these and try to understand that, irrespective of what we're going through, God is always there.
4: What a wonderful way to finish our study today. Ken, would you like to share a prayer
3: with us in closing? Certainly. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the story of Jacob and his journey from deceiver to repentant overcomer. We see, Lord, that you are always ready to forgive all who ask. No matter how bad our sins are, we see, Lord, time after time, your love for mankind and your patience towards us as we fall and fail regularly. Heavenly Father, we need you in our lives every day as we continue our walk with Jesus, Mm -hmm. the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, please help all those that are searching for the truth and those that have lost their way. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word to learn and understand and grow in wisdom so that we can be useful tools in your hand to carry out your work here on earth. Guide us all to do your will as we see the day of your return approaching soon. Amen. 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 Well, thank
0: you, everyone, for uh, your participation today. As Brenton, you said, we could do many more things, but the good um, thing is that we are going to still uh, look into the book of uh, Genesis in the next um, couple of uh, presentations. And we are going to um, learn in the next presentation about uh, Joseph, Master of Dreams. That will be a very interesting one, and I believe uh, you like uh, Joseph and his story because that's one of my favorites in the Bible. May God bless you and uh, have a wonderful uh, walk with our Lord Jesus Christ.